Hey guys, Chad here. I don't know what happened, but for some reason, YouTube cut out the first few minutes of my interview with Ron. So it's going to start just mid-sentence. Uh, the question I'd asked him that he's answering is I had asked him to ex describe himself, uh, like his online personality, uh, the Entree Courier, the idea behind that, what made him want to start doing that, and uh, just picks up about halfway through his answer. So as far as I know, that is the only glitch in this episode. So uh, enjoy run a business. I think people still think they're employees. And so and there were enough questions out there. And I thought, well, I could answer some questions. I've worked in business in the past. I'd uh, been the you know business manager for a little nonprofit before I started doing delivery and some different things like that. And that's kind of how it got started. And I decided really to focus mostly on the business side. Um, uh, the idea of treating treating what we do like a business. I mean, if they are going to call us a business, if they're going to put it in the contract that we're contracting them, doing services for them as a business instead of an employee, then you know maybe we can figure out how to take advantage of that status. And so that's kind of what Entree Courier is about. Entree stands for entrepreneur. And then uh, Courier, of course, with delivery. Let's see. Well, it can it have two meanings though, because like you also deliver food, and entree mm -hmm. in in food usually means like your main course, yeah. which is actually ironic because I believe in France, uh, entree is like appetizer because it means like entry into the meal. Yeah, I don't know what they yeah. call the main course there though. Yeah, and I hadn't even thought of that when I started, <laughs> so it's like I wish I could take credit for that, but <laughs> it's just. Mm -hmm. So, um, what did you do? Uh, before gig work? Well, I was in um, telecom for several years. Uh, my dad, my brother, and I, we ran a little uh, telecom company. We sold telephone systems, you know. So uh, when you get stuck with those uh, uh, voice systems that you can never get out of, you can blame us for that. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we did that for several years. And then I stayed in telecom when my wife and I were married and she was here in Denver and I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, if you got to choose between the two and, and, and you don't choose Denver, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so when I moved out here and everything, then kind of stayed in that for a little while, um, took some time off to go back to grad school actually. And then I uh, started working with a little nonprofit, which was a bike oriented. Um, it was a little place called Trips for Kids that they took uh, kids out on uh, mountain bike rides and uh, trying to get a lot of inner city kids out and do different things like that and had a little used bike shop. And so I worked for a couple of years as the business manager for that. Um, there were enough things that I wanted to get into myself, you know, just different things that were not job related. And I was kind of getting to a point where nine to five just wasn't going to work anymore. And that's when I decided to go ahead and move into uh, uh, picking up some gig work or something like that to just to see if that would pay the bills. And the amazing thing was it did and did much better than I thought it would be. And now here we are. So. Sorry, talking on mute here. <laughs> I've been trying to get in the habit. This mic, it has this, um, a little show on camera, it has this little remote button thing here. And I try oh, to, yeah. I try to mute my mic 
because I've been listening to, I just started like, I mean, well, I've been doing this interview show for almost two years and I started doing the audio podcast just a couple of weeks ago and I'm listening to it like in the car and I like, I noticed like, it's like super sensitive as far as the mic. So I try to, I don't know if you guys at home can tell, I turn the sensitivity on the mic down. So, and I'm trying to mute it when I'm not talking because otherwise you hear me. You hear me like breathing yep. between every breath, <laughs> like even when I'm uh, uh, swallowing uh, the beer and all that stuff. So um, let me give a shout out to uh, Gary Millson. He's in the chat. John McCallion and uh, Steve from Rideshare Rodeo is watching too. So hey, what's Steve. up, guys? Yeah, I know you and uh, Steve are both in uh, Denver and uh, yeah. you did a collab like a week or two ago. They, he said you guys talked for like two hours or something on uh, yeah <laughs> on uh, like uh, Prop 22 and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, he came on, and uh, yeah, we had a we had a pretty good uh, discussion on that one. It's that's an easy one to spend a lot of time on, and uh, and with Steve, it's pretty easy to get going anyway. He's he's a good guy. We, you know, we, we were here both doing our our little gigs here in Denver, and I never knew about him until uh, the guys from Para got me in touch with him. And Steve's a good guy, so I'm, uh, I'm glad to. Uh, get a chance to I get together a couple of times. I got onto his podcast here. He's been on mine now. So it's a good mix. So. Yeah. Steve and I actually recorded probably an hour, two hours on Monday night and the file got corrupted and we couldn't oh, use man. it. So. <laughs> but he had, you know, he, he had David from power to fall back on as a, as a guest uh, for his okay. show yesterday. So anyway, yeah. um, so are you from Nebraska originally? Yep. I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska okay, and, uh, lived most of my life out there and everything until, hmm. until we got married and, um, brought my five kids out to, uh, Colorado and, uh, joined up with my wife and her five kids. So, uh, wow. we, we got the, uh, Brady bunch put to shame. <laughs> five kids times two. Wow. Yeah. Are they Fortunately, all grown up now though? They are all grown up now. So yeah. life is an awful lot easier and an awful lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what inspired you to do the website and the podcast? Did the website come first or did they come at the same yeah. time? Yeah, the website came first and I started it back in, I want to say 20, um, about summer of 2018. And I did a few articles on it and I'm not even sure why. I think there were a lot of things I was trying to do with my life and stuff like that and started feeling like that was kind of getting in the way. So I shut it down for a little bit. And then January of 2019, I started it up again. And it was mostly just to try and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd try and answer questions on forums and it just, you know, um, it's always it's always a mess out there anyway or something like that. And I thought, you know, it makes more sense if I could just take the time and write it down in a way that makes a little more sense or something. And that's how I got started with the website was mostly like trying to answer questions. And then, um, I think I dabbled with it for a little while. And then I finally decided, okay, I want to get serious about the website. And to do that, I decided to go ahead and launch the podcast as just kind of a way to really kind of hold my feet to the fire, I think. And, uh, make myself do, you know, maybe a little bit more regular content. And so that, um, I launched it with a 31 day, I called it the courier MBA, which is master your business attitude. 
And so I did it, you know, 31 or episodes for 31 days straight in July of 2019. And I think that's the thing that really kind of got us up, got, got everything more off the ground and a little more serious about keeping the website going as well as the podcast and everything. So, yeah, I noticed that you do have a YouTube channel and it does, it goes back to like 2019 and actually like, I think your first video was about taxes and stuff and it was like, had animation, like with a hand drawing and all that stuff. And yeah. Like, yeah. How did you, was that you that made that or is there like a, a website? It that was, it? there was a, uh software called, uh, I think it was called doodly D O O D L Y. And so they had a little thing where you could kind of, um, it would just kind of automatically draw out the thing. So you get your images or you get your words and everything like that. And it, it does it with the little hand drawing animation and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of cool. It's fun to play with. It's, uh, it, it's a great way to kill a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, but, it sounds, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, it looks pretty cool because like it's it's just a nice way to instead of just having a voiceover, like there's yeah. something to look at, you know. Yeah, 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 and I think it, it works nicely for that for just doing some things here and there. And I really didn't do much at all on YouTube for the longest time, except for, um, yeah, I did that tax video. I did a couple other little videos, and then I did a, I started doing like a little business tip of the day. And, uh, when I had some extra time for a little while and, and then, um, lately I've had my daughter actually helping out and she's been kind of, uh, converting the old, uh, podcast episodes into a little waveform video. And, uh, you, you really don't see, you, you don't really get much more out of it than listening to it on, uh, you know, Spotify or iTunes or anything like that, except for you get to watch the little waveform pop up and down <laughs> yeah, a lot of um but, a lot of podcatchers will do that automatically now like i use red circle yeah. and like one of the the features is like it'll automatically upload exactly like how it's yours it's just like a title card like with the sound waves and all that stuff but yeah it's since it's it's backwards because I'm, I'm, what i'm doing is i'm taking video and then converting it to audio i don't need i don't need to go back the other way to just no, still image no. so yeah. And I've, I've toyed with the idea. Maybe I should start doing both, you know, do it on video or something like that. Um, I always tell myself I've got a, I've got a good face for just podcasts though. So <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's an old joke is you get a face for radio and a, a yeah. voice for a silent film. <laughs> that's most of my jokes are old ones. So speaking of, but speaking of your voice though, like, cause I've been listening to your podcast for like a couple months now. And uh, I think Steve turned me on to it, and also uh, Jason from Gig Economy Podcast, Mike uh, Mike Delivers. These are all good. It's funny because like you would think like there's this huge space for gig related, especially like well, because well, gig economy is a very broad term because that means just sure. anything that's like a freelance job. Like that could be like artists, musicians. You know, computer programmer Gary, who's watching this? He he's an app developer. He works for himself, or you know, like he takes contracts for, uh, like you know, to do an app, but it's like a project. He's so he's working gig to gig. Um, mm -hmm. but so I think that we need, I think we need like a more specific term for like our sector. I did a poll on this on my channel like a week or two yeah, ago. I remember that? I like I I think it should be called last mile economy. Because, you know, like Amazon, Fle well, although that's kind of more like last mile delivery, but also, I mean, does, is DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, is that last mile or, 
And then there's like, cause I think like yeah. delivery, as far as the big three Grubhub, Uber Eats and uh, DoorDash or GrubDash Eats as I call them. And then of course, Rideshare, Uber and Lyft. There's a definite overlap between these jobs and like these, uh, um, these companies. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I, I say like the, the last mile economy or maybe the smartphone app economy. I don't know. Do you have an idea for this specific uh, sector? You know, I, that's, that's a hard one. I keep going back and forth. What should I call it? Because uh, I, so many of my articles, it, it was like, especially my early ones, you go through and it's like, you know, about a five or six word title. And then it's got Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, mm-hmm. Postmates in there. <laughs> yep. And and it's like, uh, there's got to be a better way to do that. than um, I've heard, you know, like on-demand delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I commented on your poll. I said, I know that like California, they call it app-based. Um, app-based. app-based yeah, gigs. something about app-based yeah. platforms or something like that, which I think there's still... There's a lot of other gig economy stuff that is app based, though, that really isn't tied to uh, delivery or rideshare or anything. So I'm not sure that's the best term for it. Oh yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's it's it's a good question. Somebody, I think there's a lot of different you can, things yeah. you could throw out. Somebody who's more creative than me needs to come up with this. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I lost my my train of thought in my last point because I was talking about your voice because, <laughs> like I was saying, so I started listening to your show. And I was saying, this guy, he reminds me of like a motivational speaker and also like a, like a preacher. Um, Cause like I listened to a lot of Christian talk radio growing up because my parents sure. are very, very religious. It's like all my mom listens to is like Christian radio, like not even like the music, just the, the preachers and stuff. And uh, like the way that you kind of talk is you feel like you're talking to me and not to like a general audience. And, I like how you're kind of um, you're not really like sugarcoating it, and it sounds like you're really like trying to speak to the listener. Because like I I notice that you tend to say like you like do you want to run your business and not like hey you all or hey guys or whatever I don't know is that a conscious decision on your part the way that you do the show? It it probably is yeah um, yeah I do think of it I, I do think of it as just trying to talk to somebody one on one, and so I think that's a part of it. Um, I think it's been something that's probably been a natural thing for me. Uh, you know it's funny that you say that because that was my very first life was as a preacher. so I, I graduated from a tiny little Bible college of about two hundred people, and uh, I, I was the starting center on our college basketball team which didn't mean a thing because it just meant that I was the tallest guy in the, in the whole school. So it was, it was that small, but, uh, I did about three years, um, got kind of burnt out on, uh, some of the way things happen a lot with small churches. And that's when I joined my family and their telecom business and everything. So there is a little bit of that background. <laughs> All right. So I'm not, I'm not crazy then. So yeah, no, like I can nope, tell. Yeah. Nope. Uh, have you ever done radio? I have not. I have not. All right. Um uh, so which which apps are you working for currently? Um doing, you know, most you know, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats. Um really haven't done much Grubhub lately. Uh, they they've been amazing because they've kind of gone I don't know, from from the my primary by a long shot to like almost, you know, persona non grata or app non grata, I guess you would call it. <laughs> and uh 
that I have done, I've tried out a few of the little ones. Now I'm trying to get a little more experience with some of these guys that I'd never heard of before. So I've been doing some uh, deliver that, which does a lot of catering. Um, yeah, I just started with them. Yeah. And they can have some good pays and they've got some things that are kind of like, okay. And, um, I did some, uh, they've got here in Denver, there's a VHO. They're in a few markets and they do mostly package deliveries. And almost all of it is HelloFresh, uh, the little packaged or boxed meals that go out. And uh, never was a real fan of that one. It just, it, it paid okay. It was something that was kind of like, okay, you knew exactly what you're going to get. And that's a good thing. But, you know, you're kind of committing to three or four hours for a route. And, uh, it's real hard to mix that in with doing, you know, let's say, you know, uh, lunch or dinner deliveries because of the times that they want to do things. Um, I've signed up with Curry. Thank you to uh, Steve Johnson. <laughs> and he's been pushing, you know, really talking about them and I have yet to take a delivery for them. So it's, it's interesting. I'm starting to see offers, but I don't think I have ever, uh, I don't remember signing a contract on anything. So that's interesting to see how that goes. But I think that's, that's going to, that's things kind of interesting with a lot of these little guys is I think a lot of them are just trying to kind of figure their way through things. And uh, you know, um, and some of them, I'm not sure totally understand the independent contractor um, model. Uh, Some of them, I think probably push things a little further than what they should. Um, I've, I've thought about GoPuff and, um, they're kind of like another one of those that it's, it's, it's like, I've never done Instacart. I've never done the shopping ones. Part of it is because I think I like multi-apping too much to really feel comfortable committing to, you know, long extended routes or anything like that. I'd, I'd, I'd rather be able to bounce back and forth. And, and there were just some things that go puff it. To, from what I've seen, didn't impress me that much, but I probably shouldn't really make a judgment without actually giving them a shot. So yeah, I just signed up for GoPuff too, and yeah. on my Sunday show where we cover the news, it's funny. Ever since we started doing the show about two months ago, I've had nothing but bad news about GoPuff. So yeah, uh, yeah I signed up for them, and then like as far as I can tell, there it seems to be very similar to the way Amazon Flex works, is where you get a block of time. And you go to their warehouse, and you get you get right. a bunch of packages, and you get a route, and then you have to go back to the warehouse after you finish your deliveries. And like you have a a, a lot of these, I've seen these shifts that are like like eight hours long. Like in like a lot of times they'll start at like three, like it'll say three p.m. to one a.m. or something like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I got an offer from one place that uh, it was actually it was going to be an extended offer doing some deliveries, um, minimum pay eight hours a day. The pay was going to be real good. Uh, you use the other company's vehicle. Um, they, they offered overtime and, uh, and all of that just said, I'm, I'm just amazed that you're actually doing that as an independent contractor. And you know what, the pay is good enough that somebody may not complain about it. I don't know. It depends on how the place that you're doing the deliveries for treats you or anything like that. But, uh, you know, there's some fine lines between what kind of control they can have over you. 
And when you get into a set schedule, when you get into using their vehicle, when you uh, get into an hourly pay, those are all things that even without AB5 or ProAct or any of that stuff, that stuff's already um, crossing the line as far as like the IRS test and stuff like that. Um, that's one of the things I've written a lot about is some of the pro act and different things like that. So I probably geek out too much on some of that. <laughs> By the way, I forgot to mention, uh, Patrick Limon in the comments, he said entree courier was the first podcast I started listening to about a year and a half ago. Great awesome. content. Um, thank you. And then Gary said uh, he hasn't gotten any curry orders yet. I haven't gotten any curry either. I don't know if they're in Florida. Uh, Dash yeah, and Grandpa's here. I, I got one just today. It was like my first one, and it was a. Uh, it was about twenty miles driving, but it was going to pay sixty bucks. Uh, and, that's pretty good, especially if yeah. where it's going to. You're going to be able to pick up more work there. Right. Yeah, and it was going to be close to where I am. You know, to begin with. And so it's like, you know, man, that's, that's not bad. And it's, I think that's one of the good things about getting in early on some of these things. They tend to pay better, just like, you know, yep. I think Grubhub and DoorDash all paid better way back when they first got started. And then they figured out they can't afford to keep doing that. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that too, is like whenever a new app starts up is they will just throw money at the contractors to just build up a fleet. It's like yeah. Instacart was like that. Certainly Uber was like that when they first started and sure. like now they've all like cut the bait. Like, like right now I'm in with a corner shop, which is Uber's equivalent of Instacart. And yeah, they are paying at least triple what Instacart would normally pay on a, a, a very similar type of order and job. So if you can get in with corner shop, definitely recommend it. Yeah. It's funny. You all mentioned right. that you, you haven't done Instacart, but uh, I mean, for me, 2019, and most of 2020, Instacart was like my main bread and butter. And then uh, they've hired like way, way too many shoppers. And also, I, I can tell consumer demand is down as well. So it's it's a it's a worst of both worlds right now. It's like too many contractors, not enough orders. Uh, so it's like, and I, and you also mentioned that you like to multi app for the variety, which I, I agree with. It's although I will say, if I had if all things were equal, if I could just pick one app and make a living doing it, I probably would just do Instacart. Cause I like mm-hmm. the, the, I like the scavenger hunt acts aspect of like every single order going around the store. And especially when I go to the same store, like 10 times a day, I like, I know where pretty much everything is by now. And also yeah. like, you know, the exercise, get out of the car. This is so like something I've been doing all last week and all this week is uh, I got this $1,800 uh, guarantee through Lyft to come back to do 120 rides. And I'm at about 90 right now. And I'm just sitting down all day. And when I get out of the car, I'm like my legs and butt, oh, like my yeah. whole body's so sore from sitting down because I'm in a Honda Fit. Like maybe if I had a some kind of SUV or a minivan where you have like more of like a captain's chair. Um, yeah. But I feel like I always feel like I'm in a go kart in my in my Honda <laughs> Fit. Like my my knees are up to my armpits or something. But uh, you know, when I got my last car, um, I ended up getting an SUV. It was a Chevy Equinox. The gas mileage is terrible. But um, I think the way I looked at it was if I were to get like a little Prius or something like that, I'd I'd have made a lot less money, even though I wouldn't be spending as much on gas because there's no way I could stay in that little thing for extended amount of time. And the the whole reason I got the uh, Equinox was it was comfortable. It was easy to get in and out of. And it's something that I could spend 
12 hours a day in if I wanted to do it and everything like that. So I, to me, I think how comfortable you are in the car is the most important thing. Because if you're not going to put the time in, you're not going to make the money. And and then the whole thing about the cost of gas is just moot. Yeah. So. How much is gas out there? Like it's in like the <sighs> 290s right here in Orlando. Oh, man. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, we've been running about, I want to say about 335. So not not too much more. But uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Over three bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know. Gosh, it wasn't, you know, when I first, uh, when I first moved out here, I was back in the days when everything was up over $4 everywhere. So, you know, we're not back up to that yet. So I'm not complaining too much yet. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I, I, one of my questions was, do you really wear, it's like you're I, like on your Twitter banner and your YouTube banners, like you're wearing mm-hmm. that red, I don't know if it's the same red shirt you wear now and like you had a bow tie and, uh. What, what do you call those types of hats? Is it, it's not fedora, is it? Is that a fedora? I think it's called a fedora. Yeah. I, that, I that's the, what I was here. The Indiana Jones hat was a fedora, and they don't look anything like that, you know? No, I, you know, and yeah, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, I had enough people say that's what it was that I just stuck with it. So I don't know. Uh, actually, I do. And now I don't do the bow, bow tie as much. This is more, this is a polo, and it's, uh, um, actually one that I had made up just says, I don't know if you can see it very well. It says independent delivery professional on here. So I won't wear the DoorDash shirt or anything like that, but uh, you know, I had that made up and I always thought maybe I'd sell those shirts and uh, maybe someday I will. <laughs> I haven't dove into that yet, yeah. but um, you know, it, uh, and I do wear the, uh, I, I do wear this a lot on the deliveries. And uh, the main reason is it stands out, you know, um, just uh, people at the restaurants have gotten to know who I am and what I'm doing. And um, I think it made a bigger difference before the pandemic because you'd walk into the restaurant and there'd be a whole bunch of people waiting in line, trying to order food and things like that. And sometimes it's just really hard to get the attention of the staff. And so I'd walk in like this and especially after coming in two or three or four times, and, and it's kind of like right away, oh, Hey, there's, there's that delivery guy or something like that. And, and I really do believe that it got me in and out of the restaurants a lot faster. You know, now that the pandemic happened, um, all of a sudden it just became, it, it seemed like it didn't matter what you were doing because everything was delivery. And probably the one good thing in the pandem- pandemic for a while was, a lot of these places all of a sudden had to figure out how to do delivery and how to make that more efficient and everything. Um, and of course now we're kind of back on, you know, kind of the other end of the pendulum where mostly because so many places are short staffed that you're back into sometimes some inefficient restaurants and things like that. You know, one of the big things you, you just try and learn which ones have their act together and which ones don't. That's a that's a good point because that that was one of my questions was what's your favorite and least favorite places to pick up from? Uh, you know, I I know a lot of people hate Chipotle, but the ones that I've been delivering from, I don't mind those as much. There's there's a lot of you know the fast casual places that you walk in and they've got the food ready. You know, at least if I'm on Uber Eats and DoorDash. Yeah, my uh, market, yeah, Chipotle is on point, but I, I've heard yeah. it, it must go from city to city or even individual yeah. establishment. Because, But where I am, 
Chipotle, I'd say like nine times out of 10, I pull up and it's all ready to go. Yeah. You walk in and you walk out. I, I had one day that I did, um, it was, uh, I did it on my bike, um, during a football Sunday and I had, I think nine or 10 deliveries that were all between these two different Chipotle stores, nothing else. And, and I ended up making about $35 an hour. And it was just like, it was like a double order at one, you drop it off and you get it dropped off and it's not too far from the other one. And they had me running over to the other one and you could just walk in the foods ready. You walk out. And, and that I think is more important than even the dollar amount. So if you can get in and out of the restaurant and you can get your delivery done fast, um, you can get more deliveries done that way. And, uh, so those, those are the ones that I like the most. And, you know, one of the reasons that I hardly ever do Grubhub anymore is they have gone so heavily on the non-partnered restaurants, the order and pay type things. And, and there are just more headaches that happen with that. You know, the restaurants don't want to deal with them or, you know, you got to wait for the food and things like that. And uh, a lot of times they're maybe paying more for a delivery, but it takes twice as long. And it's just yeah. like, all of a sudden it isn't such a great deal anymore. Yeah. Now Uber has those order and pay types too, for the non-partnered restaurants, which yeah. I think they're cracking down on that on like a lot of these California, New York city type. Yeah. Um, it's either state I think they or should, local re- legislation. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, you fly, I buy. And like, I've heard from some people that it can be worth it. You know, because like usually, like w- like when the offer comes in, like it's a really exuberant amount. You're like, oh my god, this is great! And then you look at it, and it says sure. order and pay. And yeah, that's how Postmates was too. Which I yeah, I've, that's how they got started. I think was just doing yeah. that. Yeah, it's just yeah. you fly, I buy, and it's it's ridiculous. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad Postmates is gone. And yeah, you what you were saying about Grubhub is. Yeah, we've talked about this on my news show. Is that Grubhub was they had a over fifty percent share of the delivery market, like yeah, just a few years ago, and they've been going downhill ever since. And um, a lot of that's probably due to like clunky app, and I don't know, they just can't. I think a lot of it's just. I think Grubhub. It seems like it's. Uh, it's like it's done. Like the whole app is like made by boomers, like who are like very technically in <laughs> in profit. Like if my parents were designing an app or something, you know, like they need to hire some young young talent to uh, to write that ship. So let let us, you guys in the, in the let us know in the chat, uh, you know, about your thoughts between Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. I mean, I think Uber is like the most probably the most state of the art. DoorDash is definitely there as far as like the it side, but the actual apps and like, especially the games they've been playing with the drivers, like not showing the full transparency and all that stuff. Shout out to para. Um, and then, I mean, and then Grubhub is actually the only thing worse is, I don't know if you've ever done it is bite squad slash waiter. Yeah. I've never, they're not in my market. So you're not missing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Bite, Bite squad makes Postmates look like, Star Trek or something like Bite Squad. Really? It is there is no map screen. Um, like when an order comes in, it's just all text. Like you don't know all the only address you have is the address of the restaurant. Um, and so if you know your area, you know how far away it is, but you don't know where the customer is until you get to the restaurant. Um, 
And it, like, so the only thing you have to go by is like, it'll have an estimated delivery time between this time and this time. Um, and I will, like, I've only done like maybe three or four bite squad orders ever. And I like, they were all, I had to, even though like, it's supposed to be like, you don't have to pay, like the order goes straight to the restaurant. Every single time I get there, I'm like waiting like at least five minutes, if not longer. Although I will say like the payouts were pretty good, especially compared to like DoorDash. So they were all like, like eight or nine bucks each instead of like four or five. But supposedly, I think Gary actually showed me that uh, Bite Squad is working on finally adding a map feature. I'm like, oh yeah, what is this, 2010? (laughs) Well, you know, and and that was uh, Uber Eats not that long ago. And, uh, you know, I did probably almost all of 2019 and I maybe did a dozen Uber Eats deliveries and it was all because you didn't know where you were going and you didn't know what you're getting paid. (laughs) And, and, and then all of a sudden they went like between February and about April and they just kept adding stuff to their screen. And it was like, okay, now we'll give you, at first it was going to be just give you the, uh, Uber Eats pay. And then they finally decided to include the expected tip. And then, you know, and then they started giving you the map and then they, uh, and then they added on like the cross streets and uh, estimated time and everything like that. And all of a sudden it's like, who are you guys? And what did you do with Uber Eats? Because it was like night and day different. Yeah, It's pretty clear that they were copying DoorDash, which is fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. They, they still, they, there's some clunkiness with their app, you know, that is just, especially if you're on Android, I think it's not as bad with um, iPhone. And it's mainly because with the iPhone, you can't have the always on top thing, but you know, with Uber eats, it's like, as soon as the offer comes up, it just pops up on top of everything, but it doesn't pop up the whole app. It just pops up the information screen without the map. And it's just, it's kind of a pain. You kind of have to be in the app for it to work really well, but yeah, you know, it's still, it's, it's, it was such a huge improvement and, uh, and you could tell that they were getting serious about doing, you know, delivery. And uh, even before kind of the pandemic really started to hit. So, you know, at least got to give credit to them for that. Are you a a iPhone user or Android? I do Android. Have you tried uh driver's utility helper or Maximo? You know, I haven't really done it much yet. I should give it a try a little more. I think I did try it out just for a little while. Um, my thing is I'm just so independent in the way that I make my decisions. And so I don't, I don't really pay attention to things like, you know, the dollars per mile and everything like that. So to me, it was more like, you know, I think there was some good information that it gave, but it wasn't really information that I was using. So to me, it it just, you know, I finally just kind of, you know, went back to just using the DoorDash app itself or something. I'd love it, though, if he got to, um, you know, Para or somebody, if they start uh, or, uh, you know, or Gary or anybody, if they can get something that just uh, really manages multiple applications, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Especially if you could do it without risk of deactivation. What's your, <laughs> yeah, like you were, you were just saying, like you kind of, uh, like, so like when a door, like DoorDash Uber Eats offer comes in, like I've not, like, cause I've been doing it for years. So I, I can see the mm-hmm. screen and immediately tell if it's going to be worth yeah. my time or not. Yeah. But I also do the, the, the hard part is like when it's a slow day and you're just trying to get something 
uh, that's when I will start to lower my standards and be like, hey, sure. is this really worth it? So like when an offer comes in, like, do you have a, a hard line that you like, you just won't like, I will never do two, $3, no tip orders. Like even if I'm in the parking lot and the store is going <laughs> across the street or something, I'm not doing it just out of principle. Um, yep. but I try to shoot for like at least a dollar a mile and, you know, like about six bucks, like minimum offer, like, but I mean, it can vary though, depending on sure. how you know slow or busy of a day it is. So, like, do you have a? Because I also I don't really go by. I was talking with uh, Gig IQ about this last week, and he's saying like he doesn't really go so much about distance; it's more about time. Because I'm yeah, I'm looking I at each too. order as like how much would this be the equivalent of making per hour? So if it's like mm-hmm. six dollars for a thirty minute job, well, you know it's, that's only twelve dollars an hour. But if it's six dollars for a fifteen minute job, then you know, that's, that's way better. So like, what's your, what's your metric? What's your standard? What's your rubric? I use a 50 cent rule. The delivery's got to pay me 50 cents a minute or better. And that's that's what gig IQ said last week. Yeah. And it's real easy to do because, um, yeah, I, I, I listened to that and I thought, man, all right. You know, this, this guy, it kind of felt like there are a lot of things that are kind of on the same wavelength, but, um, it's it's actually really easy to do once I got up to fifty cents because uh, I basically what I do is I just I double the the pay amount and then I ask myself can I get it done in that many minutes? So if it's a six dollar offer, that means that I've got to be able to get it done in twelve minutes or less to make it worth taking. And if it's a fifteen dollar offer, well now it's got to be done in thirty minutes or less. And so it's just, I look at that, I double it and say, can I get it done that fast? If I think it's even close, then I'll take it. And, and it works out really nicely. It's, it's a nice, fast thing. You know, the biggest thing is you just got to know your restaurants. You got to know who's more likely to have it ready. Um, you know, you, you got to know that sometimes you're going to totally botch it, you know, that, that you're going to think that it's going to be done that fast and it's not. And, and you just got to be okay with that. And, uh, um, you, you learn from it, you adapt and, and then you start to re, you know, you, you remember that the next time around, but, um, yeah, it was, it's just, uh, and, and I started back in 2019 with the, I called it the 40 cent rule, you know, and at that time you had to do a little bit more. You just had to kind of try and figure out how, how much time is this going to take and do some quick math in your head. And what's it going to pay per minute? And it was still, you know, twenty four dollars an hour. But ever since I started doing that, um, my actual hourly earnings really leveled out. I didn't see the big peaks and valleys. It was like I had a standard, and it was all based on that amount per minute. And uh, you know, once I started, I think getting pretty good at figuring out how long it was going to take. All of a sudden, my income became real steady. And it was like, it was almost always somewhere between 20 and $25 per hour. And then, uh, you know, with the pandemic and just with over time getting faster and more efficient and things like that, that's when I bumped it up to a $30 an hour amount or the 50 cent rule. So, you know, miles really don't, I, I do pay attention to the miles per dollar, but it's more like as an evaluation at the end of the day. It's like, oh, hey, you know, I made, uh, you know, I made uh, uh, about 40 cents or it was like, what do I want to say? It was like a four tenths of a mile. 
for every dollar or something like that. So um, if, if I can do like two to two and a half dollars for every mile that I drove, then it's like, okay, yeah, this worked really good. And, and usually that kind of translates into, you know, if, if that number is good, then the other numbers are good too. So what's a, what's a typical work day and work week like for you? Do you have, do you work more or less the same hours every week or is it just kind of whenever you have time, like how many, how many out, like you're doing gig work full time, right? You don't, you don't have a you day know, job, I've, do you? Um, no, actually I have been, um, probably about half and half now, uh, as, as I ramped up more time into the website and, uh, where I can actually start to make a living off of that. Um, you know, then it, I've just got to make sure that I give myself enough time to do some content. So that's kind of my, you know, my day job now, I guess. And then, um, a lot of times I'm out, maybe I'll go out and do deliveries 11 to two and, uh, and maybe six to nine. Um, here a few months ago, I was generally doing probably about 11 to seven. Um, I got to a point where I kind of set my goals and when I was starting to be able to make more, um, I was, I was pretty content with what I was making in about 32 hours or so, which worked out real nicely because then I could still put about 20 hours into my, into my website and podcast and, and everything and, and, and not feel like I'm totally knocking myself out. So, but you know, lately I'm probably down to about maybe 20 hours, uh, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So you're and, just more like part-time. Right. I've, I've kind of dropped down to about part-time the last few months, um, and a lot of what I'm doing too now is, um, you know, for the longest time, of course, my deliveries were all about, I got to make, you know, maximize the amount that I'm making. And, um, and I probably would not have even tried some of these other apps if, you know, just unless I really felt comfortable that I was going to make what I wanted to make. And I'm starting to get into, and I'll probably go through with finish up signing up for GoPuff and Roadie and a few others um, more than anything, just so I can experience it. And, and I'll probably bite the bullet and try out some Instacart. <laughs> I do not like shopping. So that's probably the reason I haven't done Instacart. Yeah. You should, you sound like DoorDash dad. That's what he was saying. Like he doesn't like shopping. I'm like, yeah. it's, I, I don't know. Don't let it, don't, it's not a girl job. Like I think it's, oh, I no, think it's no, fun. No, it's not it's, bad at all. It's like I, a scavenger hunt and like, you're getting exercise walking around and sure. I mean, as much as it sucks, like here in Orlando in July having, and which, especially when a hurricane's coming through, everybody starts buying cases of oh, water yeah. is, um, you have to every once in a while, like there's apartment complexes everywhere. And if it's three stories or less, there's not usually an elevator. And a lot, I can't tell you how many times it's, and it's always the people that live on the third floor that order four or five cases of water, um, where you have to hump that up, you know, multiple flights yeah. of stairs. I mean, I, I work out. So, I mean, it's not for me, it's just like a bonus exercise, but for a lot of people, it's like, that's more work than they're willing to do. But. And I think I could see sometimes I, I, I could see myself if I took that on kind of getting into that a little bit more for the challenge, you know, how quickly can I get this done? Cause that's, that's, I think help make delivery more enjoyable is just challenging myself like that. So, you know, if you get in and start, you know, start figuring out that, okay, if I can get in and out of this, 
you know, grocery store this quickly, or, you know, how much can I make per hour or different things like that, that makes it a little bit easier or something like that. If you just kind of, I guess, gamify it or something like that. Yeah. Just having fun with it. Yeah. There's definitely, cause like Instacart corner shop shipped, there's definitely a lot more mental challenging to it than with DoorDash and GrubHub and Uber Eats and, uh, especially with rideshare, because it's just like there's hardly any thinking at all. The apps do everything for you. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, getting back, sp- speaking of the podcast, what inspires you for a topic for the podcast? That's a good question. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, you know, mostly I think I'm just trying to kind of pay attention to what's what's going on out there, and. Um, I spend a lot of time kind of reading through Facebook groups, um, which is really tough to do for me. It's just talk about just a nasty environment. And, and uh, it's just like, it's like these piranhas just waiting to devour somebody for asking a dumb question, you know? (laughs) And, uh, but, you know, so I'll read up, you know, just kind of seeing what people are asking about and, uh, and, and sometimes it's just maybe my experience and something happens and it's like, oh, you know, this would be good to talk about. And so like I've been doing uh, Deliver That and uh, as I've done some catering things like for them. And of course, then it's like, okay, let's talk about what what's this like and how does catering work and, you know, what, what are the uh, bonuses and what are the drawbacks? So trying to see if I can get somebody from them to come on for an interview. And, uh, if whether I can or not, probably in a week or two, I'll be talking about them. Um, you know, I think my next one up, I'm just going to be talking more in general about working, you know, a lot of these little startup apps or these little guys that nobody's heard of. And, uh, and, and I've been, it is not easy trying to find delivery apps that are in different markets. You know, I go in and I try and search for, uh, um, you know, who, who are the, uh, who are the up and coming apps and um, half of the ones that come up actually don't do delivery. You know, there, there are three or four of them that, you know, work with DoorDash and, you know, they, they take the orders, but then they, they farm it out to DoorDash. And uh, so, and that was kind of how I got started. That was part of how I got started with the website was you start looking for stuff on the internet and it's not out there and you start realizing, Oh, okay. If somebody puts something out there, then, you know, then, then people can find it and everything like that. And, uh, like you mentioned, you know, when, uh, there, there, there wasn't much out there in podcasts for delivery and there really wasn't much, there was hardly anybody doing anything on the internet for delivery. And, uh, you know, there, there was one website that had already kind of wrapped it up. And, uh, Harry, the rideshare guy every once in a while would talk about delivery, but, you know, back when I started, you know, um, rideshare was still going so strong and he didn't really spend much time on delivery until we got into that. But, um, you know, it's just, it's interesting because it's like everybody and their brothers on YouTube and, you know, there's a ton of YouTube and now TikTok about it, but it was like, hardly anybody was actually doing anything and especially doing it consistently on delivery just on the internet or on, on a blog. So 
I thought, okay, you know, maybe that's, that's where I can put some content up and, and it's worked. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, there was a while I used to say I was probably the leading delivery website out there because I was like about the only delivery website out there. So it's pretty easy to be the leader then. <laughs> so, Something I was going to ask is like, so you go by the entree courier is like your, you know, online persona. Um, right. but the, the actual name of the podcast is deliver on your business. Like mm-hmm. why not just call it the entree courier podcast? Uh, good question. And I, you know, it, it was just a, I think part of it is because there are some areas where I see the podcast as a little bit different than the website. Um, the website is one thing that I learned was, you know, I would write something about my opinion about this, that, or the other thing. You know, this is what I think about what Grubhub is doing and nobody reads it. You know, it's like crickets <laughs> and nobody reads it. And, and what I figured out is that on Entree Courier, people are looking for information, you know, and most of my traffic comes from Google and they're looking, you know, they're asking questions on Google about how do you do taxes or how do you do the PPP stuff or, um, you know, how do you, uh, um, how do you do this out or the other thing with DoorDash or, or Uber Eats and things like that? And they would find me that way. But, you know, nobody's looking for what does Ron think about what Grubhub's doing, you know? So <laughs> they didn't really care about that that much. And so when I did decide to go ahead and start with the podcast, there was a part of it that was kind of like, okay, I can provide some information, but it's different enough from what I'm doing on the website. Um, because it's really, it's, you know, ultimately I'd love to be able to start doing some more stuff with, you know, a little more community, paying a little more attention to maybe actually getting a following. You know, my website isn't really designed around, you know, just people coming back day after day after day, like happens with a podcast. And so it was just like, the podcast was more like, you know, let's just talk about stuff. And it was just different enough that, um, you know, it just, uh, I think that that was a lot of the reason that I didn't go with the same name. I mean, I still have, you know, the entree courier on the name or on the little cover art or something like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of different because the website's kind of about information and the podcast is more about community and following and, um, and, and personality or different things like that or something like that. And I just, uh, you know, my web, my podcast is still really small. It was maybe one of the first ones to be consistent about delivery, but I just, I haven't promoted it enough to really try and grow it. And we were talking about that back and forth here earlier today. Yeah. And, and I know there's a lot of things I can do to actually, you know, build that up or something like that, but it's just trying to kind of take one piece at a time. I think. I was going to say, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but I was going to say, uh, like I don't follow too many people on Twitter cause I don't really like Twitter in general, but I mean, it's just right. an outlet to promote the podcast. And it's interesting is that something I noticed like, is that there's different spheres. Like there's like here on YouTube or GigTube as I call it, you know, people who sure. make videos about the gig economy, it's like one sphere. And then there's like the Reddit sphere, the, the Twitter sphere, the Facebook sphere, even TikTok has its own and they don't yeah. like, if it was like a, what's a, 
with the the circles where they overlap uh the name of those charts uh, oh uh, the venn diagram yeah it was a venn diagram they, <laughs> they, they really would just come like, together like that <laughs> yeah they would just like very gently overlap like right at the edges like there isn't a whole lot of overlap it's like everybody just kind of picks their lane and sticks to it and i'm trying to be like the like well, the only other person i can think of that's like really trying to you know go through every sphere is like harry campbell you know cuz mm-hmm. although uh, i will say that he's mostly like you know, podcast based website and YouTube, and he doesn't really do a lot with uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, other than to just tweet out like, "Here's the latest video" or "Here's the latest article" or whatever. Sure. Although I will say that Harry has uh, a really good uh, newsletter that comes out uh, probably three or four times a week, and it kind of gives you what's a, a rundown of what's going on in the news and stuff. Yeah, and he, he has does a lot a of real good job on a lot of that stuff. He's yeah. Harry knows how to work, just do that whole online thing. And, uh, you know, as far as how to. He also had like a five, six year head start on all of us too. <laughs> he did. Yeah. That, that definitely helps, you know? And so, um, yeah. And, and there were a couple of things, you know, like he, he posted a couple of videos up about some of the things that he's done that he shared at a, uh, I think a FinCon, uh, convention. And, uh, and it was kind of like, okay, there's some good stuff. So I think, uh, you know, I think I've learned some things watching Harry and stuff of it, you know, part of it is you got to try and pick and choose your battles and you pick the stuff that you've got the time for. And I think Harry's gotten to a point where he can, you know, he's got people doing some of the work on the website. So he's got different people working for him. And once you start doing that, it makes it easier to cover all those channels. But yeah, for me, it's like, Facebook is mostly about watching, you know, it's mostly about just what's going on. What, what, what are people thinking about? What are people asking about? Yeah. Because if they're asking on Facebook, they're asking on Google and then I can write articles that match that. And like that's Reddit the same way. Yeah. You were mentioning Facebook and like, that's kind of how this channel got started is well, not, well, this channel got started in 2006, but uh, when I rebranded it as, originally chatty economist a few years ago and started making mm-hmm. gig videos. It was because like you were saying, I was in the Facebook groups. I noticed like there was the same few questions. Well, especially, well for Instacart <laughs> that people were asking over and over again, because people are constantly, there's a lot of turnover in this, this, this line of work. people, yep. they only stick for a few months, maybe a year. Like they're just doing it for like Christmas money or summer vacation or whatever. And um, like they, like, I wanted to make like, you know, and also especially, well, it depends on the app, but like some apps, there's like next to no training. It's just like, here's the keys to, you know, here's your keys to your semi. I've never, I've never taken a day of driver of truck driver school. Like, you know, how hard could it be to figure it out? You know? Um, So I wanted to like have, like you were saying, like do, title videos that if somebody Googles it, it's going to be one of the first ones to come up. So yeah, like I used to, I'm, I haven't, I just haven't had time as much lately to go into Facebook groups and Reddit groups and stuff. Cause I'm so busy with this and also right. uh, trying to transition my channel from scripted videos to live uh, podcasts and stuff. But um, I was going to say five minutes ago, and I, I always get sidetracked. I was going to say, <laughs> you're one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Cause, uh, uh, I find that you're pretty insightful and all that. Uh, can you I appreciate that? Can you recommend like who do you follow on Twitter that you would recommend? Uh, well, 
mostly like for gig related content. Like who who's a good follow on on Twitter? Oh, you know, that's a good question. Um Twitter has kind of become for me it's kind of like the the water cooler or something like that. You know, you get in there and just kind of, uh, there's a handful of, uh, there's a handful of people that you kind of uh, hang out with. And and I've liked seeing like the news things that you've been posting, you know, that it's uh, um, a, a good thing for seeing some different things like that. I've been watching, um, you know, and, and Steve, um, Rideshare Rodeo podcast is a great one. Um, I, I do a lot of banner back and forth with, uh, was it, uh, uh, delivery driver POV. Um, and I probably totally butchered his name and I'm really sorry for that. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, and I'll follow like Harry Campbell, uh, because he does, you know, do some stuff and, you know, I, I appreciate that he got the, uh, interview with the, um, the president over at DoorDash. And stuff like that. And I probably wouldn't have known about that if not for following on Twitter. And, uh, you know, and then it's just, I don't know. I pick out, you know, some different people. I follow uh, Gary V, uh, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk. And that's, you know, uh, and a few people like that that are more like, you know, following really more focus on business and uh, on entrepreneurship. And uh, Pat Flynn is another one that I'll listen to, you know, follow every once in a while. Um, probably listen more to his podcast or something, anything. And, uh, and, and generally it's just been kind of, for me, um, I've kind of enjoyed Twitter, I think mostly because kind of fallen into a group, you know, you and a handful of other people that have actually been pretty good at being civil towards each other for the most part, which is something you don't get on Facebook. Uh And and uh, at least I've kind of, you know, most of the ones that I've been in and every once in a while, somebody will kind of get a, a little offended by something or whatever, but it, it hasn't been nearly as bad as I've seen in some other places. Do you go by and, uh, your real name on Facebook? Uh, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised. I don't, I don't think I've seen you on, I, well, I, I haven't been in the groups in a long time, so I'm so busy, yeah. but uh, I, I, you know, I try to be civil on Twitter, but I think like the nature of Twitter is that it's like a very sarcastic snarky place so um, yeah it's like i'm not out there to like pick fights with people but people pick fights with me all the time so if people (laughs) if somebody my kind of rule is like even here on youtube is um if somebody leaves a snarky smart ass comment on a video then i just reply in kind but then people that's all they see or like that's what leaves an impression on them is that like chad left a smart ass comment that dude's a dick and i'm like well did you Look at it in context. I was replying to a smart ass with a smart ass comment. And yeah, you know, I, could, just, I, I remember seeing something on Twitter or something like that. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I've been listening. I didn't, I don't know what that was about. So, but I don't read the comments either. So it's kind of like, I, you know, I don't know. It's interesting, you know, and there, there are things, you know, Pinterest and Instagram that I've got, I've got the accounts, but I've just never done anything with them really. You know, I've, I've, you know, maybe posted a few infographics on Pinterest and, but again, it's just trying to figure out, you know, you, you've got so much time. And so you try and focus the most on where you can do the best with it. And so between the deliveries and doing the content on the website, those are the priorities. And then probably the podcast is second. And then the other stuff is more just 
you know, to help promote a little bit, but, you know, mostly for me, it's kind of like listening and seeing what are people concerned about and, you know, what's blowing up over in DoorDash land that I haven't realized yet or something like that. I was going to say, yeah, you mentioned Instagram. I, I highly recommend of all the social media platforms, I like Instagram the best because it's like photo based and mm-hmm. it's also like you have the like uh, whatever you take a picture of like you have like two options of like the post where it's there forever and then you have like the the feed where it's it's basically it's a total ripoff of Snapchat where it's only there for 24 hours and it disappears and i i think instagram is the best way to kind of connect to people to like get your real personality cuz like wherever you are and just something and a funny sign you see just anything like even like dog on the street or something you know take a picture yeah. and mention it and then if you use the right hashtags, you'll you start to accrue followers. I mean, you might you you'll accrue uh, bots and stuff too. But um, <laughs> I, I I like Twitter, and also like you can use. There's a company I call the If That Then This. It's ifttcom and like it'll integrate your Twitter with uh, or your Instagram with Twitter because like what you can do, but it'll only just do. Uh, a URL, but if you use IFTT, it'll actually show the photo in Twitter. And like, and also if you use the mm-hmm. same handles on Twitter and Instagram, if you tag somebody on Instagram and they have the same handle on Twitter, it'll tag them on Twitter as well, which I've been trying to tell Hannibal because he goes by Hannibal is hungry on Twitter, but he has a different name on Instagram or vice versa. Oh, um, I'm yeah. like, use, use both in the same. Cause that way, if I tag you on Instagram then it automatically goes to Twitter, it's going to tag you on that too. And you're just going to double up on the, the attention and all that. So yeah, sure. uh, definitely recommend, uh, Instagram. Uh, and, and also like if you have a Facebook, um, fan page or like page or whatever, you can have your, your Instagram cause Instagram is owned by Twitter. So just whatever you post on Instagram will automatically, distribute to both Twitter and to Facebook and you don't have to do anything. Just and that throw makes a picture sense. up on, on Instagram. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I and, definitely and I recommend do have, that. I think, uh, I don't know. I'm, I might have like about 40 followers on my uh, Entre Courier page. On, <laughs> Cause again, it's another one that I just haven't put the time into yet. Yeah. And, I, I'm, and uh, well, of all the big three, like I think Facebook is the worst because they, if you, it's pay to play there. If you want to promote it's your fan page, really, they want you to uh, cough up the uh, the promo. I hate the Facebook algorithm. I used to have like five thousand friends on Facebook, and I would only see like the same forty people over and over again. And I was like, what happened to all these people and all these pages that I used to follow? Yeah, yeah, you only see it if they pay to promote it. So, yeah, I'm kind of like a hermit on on uh, Facebook. Like, I only have like thirty or forty actual friends on Facebook. Um, like if I'm dating somebody and they add me as on Facebook, I'm like, let's, let's date for about six months before I add you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, uh, let's get back to the real world here. So lots happening in the news with, 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 uh, the gig world, especially like with prop 22, that whole debacle. I mean, that's still got a few, that's, I, that could be a few months or a year before it's like really settled. Yeah. Um, you have any, uh, predictions about what's happening with that and also the pro act at the federal level pro act. I don't think it's going to go through. Um, the only way pro act is going through is if the Democrats are able to do away with the filibuster. And I think that that would be probably a dumb move to do that 
because basically, I don't know, you know, with, with things as close as they are right now, you know, if they do away with the filibuster and then all of a sudden the Republicans take control, now all of a sudden they've given up their chance to stop the Republicans. <laughs> so it's it's like I, I don't think that that's going to happen. And I'm not sure that they can do it anyway. You know, that's that's going to take uh, some real wrangling to make something go through. So I don't think PRO Act is going through. Um, Prop 22, if I were to put money on it, I would guess that the overturn will be upheld when it's all said and done. Um, the I, I, I wrote an article. Like the, the leftist nature of the judges there, you think? Or well, yeah, and 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 the history of the history of the whole thing because it all started with the California Supreme Court back in 2018, and they had the Dynamex decision where the California Supreme Court said the ABC test needs to be used to determine whether or not you're an independent contractor. That was not a state law in California. The Supreme Court decided that that's the way it should be done. And then AB5 was written to create the law to match the Supreme Court decision. You mean the, It's the, supposed to go the other way around. The federal Supreme Court or the California Supreme Court? No, the California Supreme Court. Oh, okay. And it cracks and me up. So, it's like all these articles and... Everything about Prop 22 news from a few weeks ago, they all say ruled under constitutional. I'm like, yes, California state constitution, not federal constitution. But right. nobody, yeah. nobody has yeah. time for that detail. That mixed up. Yeah. Oh, and, and they got it all wrong, too. And, and it's just uh, I was ranting a lot on uh, Twitter, especially about that. But everybody was talking about that Prop, Prop 22 has that 7 8 vote thing that the legislature can't change it without a 7 8 vote. And all of the news articles, uh, CNN was one of them that said that was the reason that it got overturned. If you read the judge's decision, the seven eighths vote part was actually upheld. CNN got something wrong. I am shocked. <laughs> <laughs> they all do, you know, and, uh, and it's just, uh, and, and ultimately that whole decision came down to, um, the reason that it was unconstitutional is because you're calling us employees or you're calling us independent contractors. It's that section that said that your independent contractors is the part that the judge overruled. And, and there's nothing in that that says anything about, you know, restricting any way that anything is done. But his reasoning in the ruling was, well, because you're calling them independent contractors, then the state can't control workers' comp. And so, therefore, it's unconstitutional. It's just, it, it was, in my opinion, you know, a terrible logic behind it. Now, but I'm not a lawyer, so who knows? You know, it's just uh, lawyers can figure out ways around that. But the problem is, is that, okay, you know, you've got the state Supreme Court in California that, uh, they went out of their, um, you know, the court is supposed to, you know, basically um, rule on the laws that are in place and, and not create the laws. And basically, the California Supreme Court created the law in California by saying it had to be the ABC test, you know, and that's what was so absurd about AB5. They had to do it because they had to create a law then to match the Supreme Court decision. And then Prop 22 came in and said, well, okay, we're exempt from that. But now 
ultimately that California Supreme Court is going to be the one that's going to decide on this ruling. And if they're the ones that kind of created that and said it's got to be the ABC test to begin with, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to rule in favor of keeping Prop 25 or Prop 22 in place. You know, so it's it's more, you know, probably not trusting the judges out there to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I think that the, the, the gig workers in California that wanted AB5, it's like, I think they don't know what they're they're getting. I mean, you you've said this, Steve said this. It's just basically whatever the minimum wage is is going to be the maximum wage too because they have absolutely no incentive to pay you more than what they're mandated by law. And so they're, they're going to – and uh, I can't remember if it was you or Steve that said – like, I, I, yeah, you always say you know Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, whoever. They're not your employer. They're your customer, and a customer is always going to try to screw you. And like yep. with AB5, it takes your customer and turns them into your employer. So why would you want right. – your customer who's a dick to be your employer. Like they're going to suddenly, I guess the, I guess the, the logic behind it is because now like the, the, the boot of government is on their neck. Um, that like then yeah. they're going to pay, play by the rules or whatever, or, you know, or just uh, people always think, you know, just throw more government regulation at it and that's going to solve the problem, which historically it doesn't. But um, well, here's, that's, here's that's the a other subject thing for think, another sermon. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Here's the other thing I think is going to happen. If, uh, if, uh, you, if in California, if they're required to hire employees, that tipping is going to go away. Tipping through the app will go away. And here's the reason that I say that when Prop 22 was passed and now, everybody out there had to pay their drivers more in base pay and everything like that. Well, like Grubhub all of a sudden started uh, recommending like $1 tips or zero tips. And they started putting things in there. Well, now that your drivers are being paid well enough, you don't need to tip. And, and the reason that they do that is it's, it's competitive. They, they can't afford to be charging or seem to be charging way too much more than anybody else. And so Grubhub had to start adding on some extra charges to the delivery fees. And so what they did was they took it away from the default tip because when people check out, they're looking at the final total, not the little breakdown and stuff like that. So they didn't want to make it look like they were paying more. So they just took that money away in the tip. Well, if they got to hire employees, um, ultimately, I think it's going to be the same thing that happens is they're just going to start saying they're going to charge more in delivery fees to cover their costs. And as a result, they're going to do away with the default tips and things like that, and maybe do away with tipping through the app altogether. And so, yeah, I don't think people realize what they're getting themselves into. And the other part of it is um, for those of us that have done full time, what makes you think that these companies are going to hire us full time give us 40 hours a week when giving you 40 hours a week means you also have to start giving some benefits and some different things like that. They're going to keep up everybody at 30 hours or less. Yeah. Maybe even and 20. Yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely. Because, I, I, I can't remember if it was uh, Harry or Steve that said this, but like DoorDash did a survey of their drivers and it was like 90% only work like 10 hours a week or, yeah. or less. Yeah. So it's like the, this just, very, I mean, it's a squeaky wheel trying to get grease here of people who, mm-hmm. if you're a full-time gig worker like us, it's, I mean, 
unless you're in like New York, Chicago, LA, it's really, really difficult to have like just one or two apps that you work exclusively for 40 hours a week relying on enough to get by. Um, like I used to be able to get by doing just Instacart, but it also the fact that, you know, I'm not married, don't have kids. I rent, um, you know, so my expenses are pretty low. So I'm able to make enough money just doing that to get by. But I mean, you know, if you've got five kids and a mortgage and, uh, you're in a really high, uh, you know, uh, property tax area or something, you know, you might have mm-hmm. to work 80 hours a week or more or, or have a W2 and then do gig work at, at night or on the weekends or something. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the multi-apping is, it, it's just, it's a good safety or it's a good backup thing because if, all of a sudden, all DoorDash is going to throw at you is the $3, you know, $3, $3, $3. Somebody else is going to pay you something eventually. And so it just gives you a lot of opportunities to kind of mm-hmm. still set your price. Because if DoorDash isn't going to meet your price, somebody else will. Yeah. And, and, and along those lines, like, like, so I'm doing the Lyft challenge, like I was saying, and mm-hmm. I will make a video about this next week or the week after, is that when you have that challenge, and especially with a really... Like it's uh, it's 120 rides, and I think uh, between the time they offered it to me and the deadline was about a month, which actually is a plenty plenty of time to do it. Um, although I waited like a long time, so originally I wasn't going to do it, but I did the math, and you know it it just comes out. It's really really worth it for me to do it. But when you sure. have challenges like that, and DoorDash and some other uh, companies like they will have stuff like that, is that when you have a challenge or something, it actually it incentivizes you to take shorter low paying rides because you know you're gonna get they're gonna make up the difference in a week or two or whenever you hit your goal. So well that's kind of like yeah. You know I guess that's uh, yeah like if you had a minimum wage then we would be incentivized to take two three dollar orders because you know you're gonna get fifteen bucks an hour or whatever it is anyway. Yeah. In fact they might not even it might not even have a payout on the screen. It'll just have you know, oh, go, yeah. go to it's this restaurant, be, go there, go there, go there. Yeah. And, uh, you're getting paid hourly, so it doesn't matter. And then if you get tips, maybe you might get some extra money on top of it or something like that. But, um, it'll be, I think it'll end up being back to more like, uh, the Uber Eats days where, you know, if you got tips, you know, the early Uber Eats days, if you got tips, they were in cash. <laughs> that was about it. Actually, I've gotten more cash tips doing rideshare the last two weeks than I have doing food delivery. I guess because you're you're face to face with somebody. I bet that I'm I'm sure that makes a big difference. I have never done rideshare, and I drove a cab thirty years ago, but uh, I've uh, I've not tried a rideshare yet. And again, probably one of those things I should just to experience it. I, you know, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, like you mentioned this challenges and when DoorDash came out with the one back in, was it January where it was like in 25 days, um, if you made 450 deliveries, you got 200 bucks. So it was like 40 cents, like a 40 cent per delivery extra that you got for doing it and 450 deliveries, you know, that's, that's 50 or 60 hours a week to get that thing pulled off. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was like a huge, and it was I remember, uh, like, Pedro was doing that, I believe, but th- I mean, this is going back what, like April or May or something. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. By the way, Leo is on camera. Say hi, buddy. <laughs> I knew he would get here. I, you know, I was spraying up. I got my, my cat repellent here 
and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just water. Usually, I, like I don't even have to squirt it. I just hold the bottle up, and he sees it, and he runs in the other direction. He's like, oh, nope, I'm done. <laughs> you got any uh, pets? Uh, yeah, we got a dog, a black lab, mm-hmm. and uh, we just moved into an apartment. So that's been kind of an adjustment. You know, we had a backyard, so she could just go run around and you know do her business out there and everything. And we just had to go out every once in a while and pick up all the dog poop. And now it's take her out on a leash every time she's got to go out or something like that. And, you know, walk out there with your little paper bag and or plastic bag so you can pick everything up. And <laughs> it's a I different think, life. I think I've asked, I had a list of questions. I was, whenever I had downtime, which was a lot today, um, <laughs> I think I, ans- I think I asked you everything. Is there anything I didn't bring up that you want to talk about? Um, you know, I, and, and I probably just, I always go back to this one thing where, you know, the thing I always encourage everybody to do is you just, um, and, and you brought up a lot of the things that I've said before, like this, you know, this idea of looking at these companies as your customers and looking at, you know, what we're doing is treat it like a business and, you know, you, uh, don't, don't worry so much about the loyalty, you know, make, make your decisions kind of as a business type of thing. And, um, but the biggest thing, just, you know, take control. And that's why I love multi-apping. That's why I love, you know, the different options because then you've got the choice to make different decisions. You don't have to rely on just one company. And, and you know what, if, if all of a sudden Grubhub is feeding you like, you know, all these fantastic offers or, you know, Curry comes along and gives you a great delivery type of thing or any of those things, you know, and sometimes it makes sense to just do one. But I think the beauty of it is you make the decisions, you know, you get to decide uh, what works for you. And gosh, it is so tempting. You know, like we talked about the 50 cent rule that I use, and it's so tempting to get on and say, this is how you should do it. You know, somebody says do two miles per or $2 per mile or something like that. And it's real tempting to jump. No, 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 that doesn't work. I use my 50 cent rule. And, you know, the thing is, is delivering here in Denver is different than delivering there in Orlando or anywhere else. And, and ultimately you just, you know, have faith in yourself, you know, just what I encourage everybody have faith in yourself in your decision-making process and, and uh, you know, just, just, take the bull by the horns and, and take control for yourself. And I think, I think when you do that and, and find yourself less reliant on any one platform, it becomes a whole lot more enjoyable. I think, you know, it's kind of when I, when I finally just, you know, that light went on and, and I just decided, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, make my own decisions and not worry about what any of these companies felt about how I was doing things or if I was accepting enough, I had a heck of a lot more fun doing deliveries. And, and it's been, it's made it possible to do delivery for three years and, and enjoy it and, and keep going and not feel like I'm burning myself out. And uh, I never would have thought that was possible, but you know, I think a lot of it just starts with taking control. Yeah. I, I was, in my podcast by saying, be the boss, you know, and that's, I think that's, what's really the most important thing to do. There seems to be, um, this kind of group of, I don't want to say haters, but just more like doubters. Um, 
I don't know if you saw my co-host Hannibal is hungry. He interviewed a guy called Roy is Roy last week. And he was mm-hmm. saying that, you know, we're not really um, small business owners, which I, I, I agree with up to a point is that there's definitely a difference. Like, I think there's like kind of like three tiers is you have yeah. your standard W2 employee just sh- shows up, punches a clock, does whatever the boss tells him, goes home. I mean, you can make six, seven figures just being an employee, doing what other people tell you. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even like the average CEO is just an employee. Although, well, yeah. And then like you have like independent contractors where you kind of go from job to job and you can work for multiple people at the same time. And um, you still have to play by a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you can, you have the freedom to walk away whenever you want and all you have other streams of income. And then the actual entrepreneur, the actual, which can be anywhere from like Jeff Bezos to your local, you know, uh, comic book shop owner, you know, any brick and mortar or people who do stuff online, you know, and like me, you, Steve, Harry Campbell, and a lot of other people. Like I think as soon as you start a podcast or you get on YouTube and it, like you actually um, start uh, monetizing it, is that mm-hmm. you start to go somewhere in between that independent contractor and entrepreneur because like now I'm like producing content. I mean it's it's product. It's just a sure. video. This doesn't really cost me anything to make other than my time, and I mean it costs me money to buy these lights and the mic and all that stuff. But it's an investment, you know. Um, so I don't know. It's here's, here's where I would argue with that. Okay. Yeah. And, and it, and I think it's especially coming from this standpoint now of being what some would call an entrepreneur. Uh, I think most people that kind of make that claim are probably giving more credit to being an entrepreneur or what they call an entrepreneur. I'm not sure they totally understand what that is. And, and here's what I mean is like, okay, you know, we make our money off of, let's say advertising, or we make our money off of affiliate sales or referrals, or, you know, there's all these different things. What control do you have over the advertising rate on YouTube? It's really, you're, you got to play by YouTube's rules, right? right. Um, on my website, I've got to kind of play by Google's rules as far as you know, writing stuff in a certain way and, you know, keeping my website as fast as possible, doing different things that Google likes. So they send more people to me. And then I get advertising from, you know, a third party source. And it's all based on, I have absolutely no say over what the rate is. I just slap the ads up on my website and I try and do as much as I can to make it possible for people to see as many ads as possible without making it too obnoxious but I have no control over that. So how is that any different than DoorDash and Uber Eats setting the prices for us when we do deliveries? Um, I think the biggest difference is, and and I use the term a lot of uh, gig work as being a gateway drug, you know, that it's, it's, it's an introduction and it's um, it's, it's like a, in some ways, it's almost more like a franchise where the opportunity is there for you, but you're still running a business. And, and the bottom line is you signed the freaking contract that said, I'm doing this, I'm doing this service as a business, not as an employee. And so it's like 
if you don't think that you're running a business, then why even do it? You agreed to it. And it's like, you know, I guess my approach to that is that I have a lot better chance of making it by actually embracing that role as a business owner. And you can't, you know, you don't go out and hunt for customers as much. You know, you don't go out and you do the marketing or anything like that. Um, but I don't go out and do hunting for marketing on my website either. I've got the things already set up. So well, it's the, like, the, the SEO is kind of the way that you do that. The, yeah. SEO is kind of a way of doing that. And, but you know, at the same time, I'm making decisions about when it makes sense to go out and deliver. And I'm making decisions about which restaurants I'm avoiding and some different things like that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are like that, but what, what I love about doing this delivery stuff is that while there's some things that maybe you don't think of as being a business, what it does is it gives you a chance to get a taste of that independence. It gives you a chance to go out technically and, uh, you know, by all technical definitions, you're running a business, you're making your own decisions and you start to get a feel for, Hey, I like this. I love this freedom. I love the fact that I can take a week off and not have to answer to anybody. I love the fact that I can go out when it makes sense for me to go out. And, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, that's why I call it a gateway drug is if you're getting a taste of it and you love that freedom. Okay. Now, where do you go from here? What are you going to do with that? And, you know, so man, you know, start thinking, you know, if, if you really enjoy that type of stuff, then start thinking, what would you want to do as an entrepreneur? You know, do you, do you love doing content? And so YouTube and, and, and websites or different things like that. And a lot of how I got started with doing, uh, you know, podcasting, as far as figuring out how to do it, or even to do the website or figuring out how to do the SEO, SEO is I'm listening to podcasts all over the place while I'm out driving. Or I'm pulling up audible books and things yeah, like that. Too. So decide what you want to do, decide how to get there. And you've got all this time, especially if you're doing delivery, you don't have somebody sitting in the car gabbing your ear off or anything like that. So start using that time to learn how to take that next step and move on to the real drug out there or something like that. So that's that's kind of how I look at that whole thing. Yeah. That seems that seems like a good place to end. So uh, yeah. Why don't you let the viewers and listeners know where they can find you online? Yeah. So uh, Entree Courier, E-N-T-R-E-C-O-U-R-I-E-R. Um, yeah, you can just pretty much anywhere with that, with that name. It's EntreeCourier.com. And that's the website where you know most of the articles are about business. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under that name. You can even find me on LinkedIn under that name. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, Pinterest, and YouTube and stuff like that. So, or, uh, shoot me an email. If you got any questions, Ron at entrecourier.com. Yep. So, I, I already put links to all your stuff in the description. So I love it. I'll, I'll just one click and it'll take you right there. So thanks. Uh, uh thanks to Ron for doing this show. And, yeah. uh, what day of the week does your podcast usually drop? Is it Fridays? It's usually Thursday or Friday. Okay. You got a show coming so, out this week. Yep. Yep. We'll have one out this week and uh, we'll talk a little bit about just kind of talking about all the different options besides the big three okay, you know, and, cool. and what kind of things to look for and stuff like that. 
You you have an open invitation to be a, a guest on the the news show on Sunday. So anytime uh-huh. you want to come on, just let me know. Uh, as long as we don't already have like too many people or whatever, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you about that. So sounds yeah, good. Definitely I recommend uh, everybody check out Ron. Uh, I mean, especially like like I was saying earlier in the show is like if you're just in the gig two sphere, which is great, is that remember that there's like Twitter, Reddit other places to find information and especially like in the podcast, which as I, as I was saying before is like of all the online presence for gig information and to a, another extent entertainment is that the, the podcast gig economy content slash uh, commentary, you know, I think mm-hmm. the, the, the audio podcast world is really underrated and, like as far as I, I can so tell, too. like you probably count on one hand how many gig economy podcasts are out there. I mean, it's like like you, yeah. Harry Campbell, Steve, uh, the gig economy, Mike Mike Teary or Jason Teary, sorry, uh, like me, and uh, I'm sure there's some other shows, and I'm just not yeah. even aware of them. So if anybody, if there's podcasts that I should be aware of, let me know because I I'm, yeah. I'll be happy to yeah, listen to everything. So anyway, yeah. we're going super long. Thanks again, Ron, for doing the show. And, <laughs> Chad, uh, thank you. I hear the dog barking. It's been awesome. Yep. <laughs> he probably yep. wants my to eat. Just got home. So <laughs> yeah. my cats want to eat too. So, uh, all right. All right. I, I will sign off there if I can find where to hit it and everybody have a good night. All right. We'll see you later. Awesome. Bye.